später sehen. And Heinrich Sedra, this week Sedra, it says, uh, it says a lot of good things, but one of the things that it says is a mitzvah of the Torah, of the tzedek tishpoit amisecha. What's my tzedek tishpoit amisecha? That a person is mechuyev menatera to give another person the benefit of the doubt. If you see somebody doing something that you're not that that he's not allowed to do, so the aloch is as tzedek tishpoit amisecha. English? What do you think I'm talking? <laughs> I can't tell. I, I'm a dropper. Is that right? So if Ruvain sees Shimon, if Ruvain sees Shimon doing something that he's not allowed to do, so you have to try to give him the benefit of the doubt. So Pashtus is a mitzvah system that Tehra. Zishtaitn Rambam, in the Sefer HaMitzvah. That it's a mitzvah sesem and a to give another person the benefit of the doubt. Mitzvah sesem. That's what Rabbi Yehina says. As they state in Chinuch, wherever you look, you'll see it's a mitzvah sesem. And uh, those that are learning Pirkei Office, so I'm meaning that uh, from Pesach till Sukkot, belong Pirkei Office. Even though Yeshiva, it's very hard to find that meaning. But I'll call for them. So that's I'm meaning by Klai Yisrael. So let Pirkei Office. So in Pirkei Ovis it says, the Mishnah have done is called Adam And over there, the Mephoshim on the side say that it's a Midas Chasidus, that you don't really have to give your friend the benefit of the doubt. But it's a Midas Chasidus, it's a Midas Teva. The Chastira, the Rambam himself in Sefer HaMitzvah says that it's a Mitzvah, and here he says it's a Midas Chasidus. Anyway, the Mephoshim answer, Chovetz Chaim discusses it, <coughs> and he says it all depends what we're talking about. If you see a person and you don't know who he is, whether he's a tzaddik, a benini, a rosha, you don't know who he is. So then there's a midas chasidus. It's better to give the person the benefit of the doubt. But what if you know the person? So then there's a chiv, minatera, to be done in the kapskus if you know that he's a tzaddik, basically. Rabbi Niyeni says there's different madregas. There's different madregas in this halacha. If the person's a tzaddik, even if it's very far-fetched that what he's doing is allowed, he's doing something that most likely is wrong. It's very hard for you to stretch your imagination to find that limitzchus for him, to find some way where you can give him the benefit of the doubt. So you're still mechuyev to do it, if the person's a tzaddik. If the person's a benini, so only if it's 50-50. It's a suffix to you, whether he's doing something right or wrong, then you should give him the benefit of the doubt. What if most likely he's doing something wrong, you don't have to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's a midas chesidus. It's better to give him the benefit of the doubt. What if he's a rasha, then it's a mitzvah the other way. You have to assume he's doing something bad. There is no chiv of being balam of the kafs. In fact, you're not allowed. Is uh, just going to tell you a small preface before we get to Mises. Just interested in Mises, the mice anyway. But I'm just going to tell you something that might save your life. 
the Baal Shem Tev brings down, and the others bring it down from him, and other Rishayinim, other Achrayinim bring it down in different forms, this Yisod. When it comes after a person dies, and they're down a person, they give a judgment to the person on everything that he did. So every judgment that's given on a person after he dies, so everybody is masking to the judgment, including the defendant, including the person that's being judged. Now, how do they get him to be masking to the judgment? They show him that when he was alive, a similar question came up, and they asked him what he thinks about it, and he said this should be the judgment. And that's shot in the Mishnah in, in Pirkei Ovis. In Pirkei Ovis, it's state of Mishnah, Mishnah. It says like this. It says that it says that the uh, it says in Perik Perik uh, Gimel Mishnah Chav. You'll take a look later. When if Roim in a other midaita, we shall loy midaita. The Rebishter is punishes a person, or he takes a judgment from the person midaita. When he knows about it, Shalom Midaita. So what does it mean here exactly? So the Baal Shem Tov explains that the person himself is judging himself not knowingly. Everybody knows the Maisa in, in Nach, where after Dovid HaMelech took Basheva, Nosan Anovi came to Dovid HaMelech and he asked him a Shiloh. There were two people, a man that was rich and a man that was poor. The man that was rich had a lot of sheep. The man that was poor had only one sheep. And the man that was rich had a guest. And he didn't feel like taking any sheep from his own flock. He was a stingy guy. So he took a sheep. He took the sheep of the poor man. And he came to Dovid HaMelech and asked him what's the din. So Dovid HaMelech said that he's a Ganif and he has to pay Dalid for the halachas of, 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 of Ganif. Then he said Ben Mavisu. And I'll Dini Shemaim, as far as Shemaim is concerned, he deserves to be put to death. Misabadei Shemaim. Then Nosan Anovi said to him, you're the guy. In other words, he illustrated a shtickle, a shtickle, nidnud of an avera that Dovra Melech did in this manner. He came to him and asked him a shayla, he asked Dovra Melech to paskin, and then later he told him, I'm asking the shayla because you're just not paskin on yourself, you're then. In other words, throughout your lifetime, the Rebishter gives you opportunities to decide and to judge yourself, not knowingly. You think you're judging somebody else. And you t- could be not judging somebody else. In reality, it's Nagea to somebody else. But after a person dies and he's coming up to the dinner, so they show him that you yourself, you yourself, held that this should be the judgment in such a case. So a person should be very, very slow to condemn somebody when he sees somebody doing something wrong. Because many times his condemnation of the other person is, is basically signing a death warrant for himself. Because later they're going to show him this is the exact same case that you passed in 30 years ago or you yourself 30 years ago said this should be the judgment. That's that in the Mishnah. In other words, you yourself... By being fast 
to judge somebody else when you saw him doing something bad are causing a lot of problems for yourself, not knowingly. So a person has to be very, very careful before he condemns somebody else when he hears or, or he sees somebody else doing something wrong. He should try as much as possible to try to find some kind of limitzchus, some kind of of benefit of the doubt. And even if it's not really a doubt, the Kotzke Rebbe, Zechot used to say, why did the Rebbe create people with a krumba cup? A krumba cup in English, I don't know how you say it. A krumba cup, a krumba cup. Why did the Rebbe create people with a krumba cup? What's the purpose of a krumba cup? There has to be a purpose for everything. A spider, a chvest, a dos, a yedaz, a chot, a purpose. Dobra, a melachot, kefrekt, favos doses, favos doses. Vos is a krumba cup. So he said the purpose of a person having a kruma cup is to use it out to be malamid schus on other people. Even though it's far-fetched, it's crazy, it's absurd, but you never know. You never know why the other person is doing what he's doing, so you shouldn't be so fast to pass him up and say that he's a bum or whatever. I'm not talking about somebody that... That the Gedolim Paskin, Gedolim Paskin is Afrikaans or something, or Russia, whatever. We're talking about when you see a friend doing something wrong. So either it's a mitzvah or it's a or it's a mitzvah and atera, depending on the circumstances, to be malavid and that lekavsko. So I'm going to give you a whole bunch of mices, and as soon as you feel bored, you should pick yourself up and pack out, and don't feel that you're being mevayish me or anything. But gegus into hate and geishlofim. Now, some of the mices you heard, some of the mices you didn't hear. For whatever it is, I can't address what anyone heard, so I'm just telling you these mices. <coughs> Everybody knows the Rashash, the Rashash. We learned the Rashash in the back of the Gemara. One of the Mephosh in the back of the Gemara, all of us. The Rashash lived not too long ago in Vilna. The Rashash, in recent times, was one of the few G'daylem that there was Tera G'dulav and He was a big godl in learning, and he had a lot of money. Tera G'dulav and And he used to have a Gemilas Chesed. He used to have a free loan. Uh, a free loan, whatever it is, I'll give it as chesed. To loan people money without interest, whoever needed money, he used to come to him and he used to loan them money, and they used to make up with them when they have to pay back, and as they write it. There came to the Rashash in Vilna a tailor. And the tailor needed a loan. The Rashash gave him the loan, and he wrote it down in his uh, notebook, the day that the tailor is obligated to pay back the loan. When the time of payment of the loan came, the tailor came to the Rashash and he paid his debt. He paid his debt, he paid back the loan. The Rashash at the moment was very immersed in his learning. He used to sit and learn a rev of the day. And he put the money in back of his Gemara. Temporarily, he put the money in back of his Gemara, and he didn't write down in his notebook that it was paid. After a couple of days, the Rashash 
looked through his notebook to see who owes him money for the Gemilas Chesed. And he saw that the loan of the tailor was not yet paid. It was in the book. It didn't say that it was paid. So he sent a shliach to the tailor that the tailor should pay the loan. So the tailor answered back to the shliach. He already paid it. The hashash later went to see the tailor himself and he says, how could you say that you paid it? In my notebook... I have that it's not paid. So the tailor says, but I did pay it. I, I gave you the money in your hand. Kids said the Rashash didn't remember that he paid it. Still come hundreds and hundreds of people to the Rashash, in and out, in and out. And he forgot to write it down. So, Machlik uh, is the Rashash and the tailor. So they went to a basin. Wasn't They went to the basin. And uh, the tailor lost the din tailor. And they passed him that he owes the, he owes the money. <coughs> and uh, understandingly, understandingly, everybody in town felt after this din tailor that this tailor is a crook. So people stopped giving the tailor business. So he suffered gewaldic ebusha. And slowly but surely, people stopped going to him. Now, technically speaking, in such a case, Bezdin is Machai Vishwa. Bezdin makes him swear that he paid and then he would be Potter. And he said he's ready to swear. But since uh, the Rashash and the Bezdin were afraid that maybe it's going to come out a Shwa Shov, a Shwa Sheker. So they asked the Rashash that he should be Meichel de Shvur. And that's what he did. So mainly he didn't have to pay Lemaise. So technically speaking, he didn't have to pay because he was Meichel de Shvur. But if he swore, he would be Potter. But they felt that it will be a Shvur Sheker. The Rashash didn't want that on his head that he should cause somebody else to swear Shvur Sheker. They felt for sure he's a liar. So And he's ready to swear. He didn't have any hesitations about swearing. He was ready to swear. So Mamela, the Rashash said, I'm Meichel de Shvur. Don't pay me. But slowly but surely... He lost his business because they felt that he's a crook. So the stuff was that a second tailor had to open up a business in town in that area where this first tailor was because they needed a tailor and they didn't want to go to this tailor because they felt this tailor's a crook. So the first tailor eventually lost his parnosa. He became an uneven avian. And Fashtetzach, everybody in town, bar none, felt that the tailor's a crook. There's a mitzvah, but over here you have the rashash on the other side. That's very hard. A big Anyway, the chayat, the tailor, packed out of town because he couldn't afford to live in Vilna. He didn't have a business anymore. Vilna was a big town, a big city. <coughs> So he had to move to a small village where things are much less. And he lived the life of an Onivavian. The kids are after some time, the Rashash opens up his Gemara in the back and he finds the money that he put there at the time that the tailor paid the debt. 
And he counted the money and he saw and he remembered that that was basically the same amount. It was the exact same amount that the tailor owed him. And he started thinking that maybe it's true. The tailor paid him and he didn't realize it. So the Rashash had a lot of tzah what he caused to the tailor. And he started making inquiries to find out where the tailor lives now. And they told him that he left town and he lives in this and this village. The Rashash went to him. He found him and he asked him Mechila. Because he caused him to lose his parnosa and he caused him all kinds of busha and anguish and azevaita. The tailor didn't want to be Michael the Rashash. He said, how can I be Michael? You Look, look what, I, what you caused me. You caused me to lose my business. And you caused me busha and cherp and all the kutizachim. What, what am I? How can I be Michael? You. So the Rashash says, "I'll tell you what. I'll go to every single shul in Vilna and in the surrounding areas, and I myself will get up on the bima, and I will make the announcement that you are right, and I was wrong, and you'll 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 come back to your original position, <laughs> and everybody will know that I was wrong." So the tailor didn't want to be Michael. Still, he said. If you do that, people will say that really I'm a crook. Now, the only reason why you, the Rashash, went around from shul to shul stating that you are wrong and I was right <laughs> is because they'll say you're a tzaddik. And you did You did more than you had to do. But really, I'm a bum. People won't really believe that I was innocent. No. The Rashash didn't know what to do. I mean, the story shows uh, 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 the, the, the heavy but it also shows the goblets of the Rashash. The Rashash was, uh, was in a matzav, he was in a predicament, he didn't know what to do. Now, everybody knows that if there's a, a person that's Odom Godel and he has a lot of money, so. Uh, when it comes to time to marry off his daughter, the Rashash has to marry off his daughter, he can take whoever he wants. And people would wait online to become the son-in-law of the Rashash. Lifetime support, be able to sit and learn, your father-in-law is the Odom Godel. Whatever you want, you have. The Rashash, Rashtetzach, had a daughter, and his Zichra had plans all his life to marry off his daughter to the best bocha that he could find in any yeshiva in the surrounding area. But on the other hand, the Rashash had a dilemma here. How in the world is he going to get the tailor to be Meichelim? <coughs> and if he's not going to be Meichelim, it's going to be bitter. When it comes to Yimadin, So the Rashash said to the tailor, You have a son. He said, Yeah. So he says, Well, I have a daughter. Maybe we'll make a Shidduch. Your son will marry my daughter. This way, everybody will know that you're not a crook. Because if you were a crook, I wouldn't allow that I should become a mechutn with you, that I should marry off my daughter to your son. And it shows the Gavaldik and Mesir Asnefesh on the Rashash. The son of the tailor was not a Talmud Chochem. The son of the tailor was a Pashta Yid. 
he wasn't a Talmud Chacham. And in order not to suffer in the Olam Oemis for what he did to the tailor, the Rashash married off his daughter to the son of the tailor on Isaiah's given, and this way he was Meichelam. So the Maisa shows you many things. I don't want to go into the long Shemuelson about each Maisa, but the Maisa shows you, number one, the godless of the Rashash. I don't think you realize what kind of godless this is on the part of the Rashash. When you'll have a daughter to marry off, and you'll understand what's this mean, then you'll understand the godless of the Rashash. On the other hand, it shows that it's possible the whole town, the whole city of Vilna should feel A is right and B is wrong, and Kapishmaya was the exact opposite. Even though we're dealing with the Odom Godel, and we're dealing with something, it's almost impossible for us to give guidelines that in such a case, if this would happen again, Odom Godel has a sikhsuch with another person. I mean, it's uh, it's it's too hard of an assignment for us to say that the Odom Godel is wrong and the, the Pashtun Mensch is right. But you see that it's not so simple. You have to be very slow. To pass up with a vadois, and you probably never should pass up with a vadois. It should always be a suffix in your mind. There's another Misa that shows this. This is a more famous Misa that more people know, but some people don't know. Kedai to say over. This is a famous Maisa with the Ksav Seifa. <coughs> also, all these Maisas should show you at the end of all these Maisas, you should at least have a small, a small, uh, a small uh, lesson of, of how far you have to go to be Donald Kavshus, even when it seems uh, a million percent that it can be. In the days of the Ksav Sefer, it was a very big chasana. And all the G'daylam, basically, of that area went to the chasana. Everybody was sitting by the chasana, and the Ksav Sefer took out from his pocket a machtis ha-shekel. He took out a real machtis ha-shekel from the days of the Beis HaMikdush. A real, live machtis ha-shekel. Everybody... <laughs> Everybody wanted to touch the Machtas HaShekel, something that existed in the days of the Beis HaMikdosh. And that's why he took it out of his pocket, that's why he brought it to the Chassanem, everybody should see a Machtas HaShekel from the days of the Beis HaMikdosh. He showed it to all the Rabbonim, everybody wanted to touch it, everybody wanted to, everybody felt it, they'll touch it, it's his Gula, Machtas HaShekel. The kids said, everybody by the Chassanem wanted to touch it. So, the Ksav Seifer said, fine, everybody can touch it, everybody can uh, look at it, everybody can feel it, but I want it back. A machtis shekel, I mean, would be worth Mistama today in the millions. Besides the value that it has monetarily, Anyway, the machtis shekel went from hand to hand at this chasana. And most people forgot about it, they kept on eating and this and that, that and this, and only those people that were involved in it were involved in it. Went from table to table, from hand to hand. Then, it was getting close to the end of the chasana. So the Ksav uh, Seifer told 
somebody that was close to him, I'd like to get my machtes shekel back. So they asked for the machtes shekel. They made an announcement. The head waiter made an announcement that uh, whoever has the machtes shekel should give it back. The kid said, "There's no machtes shekel." No one answers that he has the machtes shekel. There's no machtes shekel. Nelam. The Ksav Seifer wasn't prepared to lose a machtes shekel as they push it. So he said, we have no choice, but we're going to have to close all the doors. No one leaves. And before they leave, they're going to have to frisk him. And I got and talk. Someone's going to have to frisk each person on the way out. And whoever has the master's shekel is, is finished. No, what was the cheshman of the Ksav Seifer to make the statement? He figured for sure that the Ganef will find some way to get the master's shekel out of his clothing out of his property and it should end up on the floor somewhere and someone's going to say he found it and I couldn't talk and I don't know who the Ganef is. In other words, this way the Ganef will be able to give back the Machtes shekel, and there won't be no busha to him. Anyway, it didn't happen. No one found any Machtes shekel. They waited a little bit before they started frisking people and there was no Machtes shekel. So the Ksav Seifer says, well, we have no choice. We have to start checking people to see who has the Machtes HaShekel. All of a sudden, they're ready to start the, uh, the frisking process. And an old Choshevarov, a Zokin, gets up and he says, I, I beg of the Ksav Seifer that we should continue the Chasana and do whatever we have to do and wait at least a half hour before we start the frisking process. No. He didn't say why. He says he has a reason for it. A large percentage of the people there started being choshish. Ulai, maybe he's the guy that has it and he's trying to figure out how to get rid of it. But he, he's an old Rav, elder Yid. So they tried not to think those thoughts. And the Ksav Seifer was masking. Meanwhile, they spoke and learning, they ate, they sang. A half hour finished. And the Rav got up again, this old Rav that asked for a half hour, he got up again and says, please, I beg of the Ksav Seifer that he should give another 15 minutes before he starts the frisking process. By this time, Ruba de Ruba, Rive of the people at this chasana made up their mind that this guy is guilty. It's just that he probably is too stupid, they figured, he's too stupid to know how to get rid of it in such a way that no one will know that he had it. And he's trying to figure out an answer. That's what they figured. What can you do? I mean, a guy calls up twice for an extension before the frisking process starts. He doesn't give any reason for it. And there was no other explanation except this explanation that went on in most people's minds. The 15 minutes was about up. In other words, it's almost 45 minutes of this delay. All of a sudden, one of the waiters comes in from the kitchen and he uh, holds it up. He holds up this machtes shekel and he asks, who lost this coin? And he showed that, that he had the Machtes shekel. He found it in one of the dishes that was taken out of the, uh, the catering hall. Everybody was happy. Medgebenched. 
the chasana was over, on a good talk, on a good night. Anyway, the Ksav Seifer still didn't understand what's the chat with this old man. He couldn't believe that he's the guy that, what he called, that took it. In order that there should be no chashas on him, he felt that he should go over and ask him privately why he asked for this extension. When the Ksav Seifer came over to this old Rav, the old Rav took out from his pocket a machtas shekel. And he said, I also have a machtas shekel. And I also brought my machtas shekel to be Mesameach people that they should see a machtas shekel. But when your machtas shekel got lost, and you were going to start frisking people to see who has a machtas shekel, you would have found my machtas shekel, and there's no way that anyone would have believed that I had my own machtas shekel. So therefore, he says to the Ksav Seifer, I asked for an extension. And during this extension, I sat and was mispal, that somebody should find your machtas shekel. So those vice that's goes to show you, it's to have a machtas shekel is a is a chvase, is so far fetched that someone should have a machtas shekel. It's a, it's a chvase, a zillion to one that someone's going to have a machtas shekel. That there should be two of them in one room is kamat nachayich to believe. Even if you're from a yidin, you want to be mekayim the mitzvah, but tzedek tishvah ramisecho, it's very hard to believe that he ain't the ganav. Especially if you see the machtas shekel in his pocket. But the ma'isa as is given, there were two of them. It's far fetched. Of dasar alocha from b'tzedek tishvah ramisecho, even though it's very, 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 very far fetched that that he's not that, that he's not doing anything wrong. There's a chiyav of b'tzedek tishvah ramisecho, and the truth of the matter is, as much as you go out of your way to be done somebody else that's how much the Rebishter goes out of his way Kaviyoch or whatever that means to be done you next Meiser also showing this illustrating this this is a famous Meiser it was printed eventually in Yerushalayim Shalmaila and maybe in some English books some know it, some don't know it. What? I don't hear it. The Heavenly City. Okay, the Heavenly City. It's called the Heavenly City. For the English-speaking people. Now, it, this is the Meister. Weiter, an illustration of how far you have to go to be down the Kapschus. In the days of Rav Shmuel Salant, in the days of Rav Shmuel Salant, Rav Shmuel Salant was the Rav of Yerushalayim, Those that know a little bit of history know that there was a tremendous hunger in those days. People had very little to eat. People were starving in Eretz Yisrael. But there were some people that had some money. And one of those, one of those people that had money was, an, was a, a family called Bergman, Bergman family. Mishpachas Bergman in Eretz Yisrael. A Choshiva family in Yerushalayim that had money in those days, even though everybody else was very poor. One of the kids in the family of the Bergmans took a very hush of a coin in those days with the permission of his family, permission of his parents, to buy some sweets 
from a Svardish vendor of sweets in Yerushalayim. A Svardi, that's old sweets in the streets of Yerushalayim. And what are these uh, wagons, push carts? The name of the coin was a Napoleon. I had a picture of Napoleon on it for some reason. And it was a very hush of a coin. It was a golden coin. And that coin was able to support a family in Yerushalayim in those days for a long time. The kid went to the vendor, the candy store man, whatever you want to call him, and he bought a couple of candies, a couple of sweets. And he got back a couple of small coins as change. He came back. The father asked him, where's the change? He took a very hush of a coin to buy sweets, and he came back. So he asked him, where's the change? And the kid gave the father the change that the vendor, the candy store man, gave him. So the father says to him, what's happening here? I, you took a Napoleon. The name of the coin was a Napoleon. For Napoleon, you have to get back a lot more change than what you are giving back to me now. So the kid says, I didn't lose anything. I was very careful. I brought the change, and this is what he gave me. Immediately, the father went outside to the candy store man, and he said, what's going on here? I know my kid took a Napoleon, and you gave him a very little change for what he bought. So the Svardisha candy store man says, your son did not give me a Napoleon. Your son gave me a Chirala, the name of a coin, a different coin. A copper coin that looks like a Napoleon, the same size, but a copper coin which is worth much less. And I gave you exactly the change of a Chirala, not of a Napoleon, because that's what he gave me. Father didn't believe him because he knows clearly that the kid took a Napoleon from the house. Kids are Maisa, they went to Rab Shmuel Salant. He should pass in Allah Maisa, what's my thought? This guy's a Ghanif. Rab Shmuel spoke to the candy store man, and the candy store man, the Seicha of, 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 the, of the sweet, said he's prepared to swear that the kid did not give him a Napoleon, the kid gave him a Chirla. Right? Rab Shmuel didn't want him to swear, Misofik. It was, it was, by him it was a suffix, so he didn't want him to swear. So, Rab Shmuel Salant asked Rab Bergman, this, this uh, father, that he should be Michael the Shvua, in order not to cause a Shvua Shekhar. So he was Michael the Shvua, but Abada, most people deep down in their hearts believe that this Svardi is a crook. Baiter is all bizarre. Six years later, for six years, people walked around thinking that he's a crook. Six years, he had no way to prove that he's not a crook. Six years, he had to suffer this, this busha, whatever it is, of people thinking and people looking at him with a crooked eye that this guy's a ganif. After six years, which was after the war, First World War, or whatever word it was at that time. Mestam was the first world war. Mestam Anyway, the kids are Maisa, This guy Bergman, the father of the kid, gets in the mail, in a letter, he gets this coin, a Napoleon, wrapped up in an envelope from a third party. Six years later. Six years later. And in the letter it says as follows. What happened six years ago with the Svaldisha candy store man you should know that he was 100% honest. 
I, the guy that's writing the letter says, I, when I saw your son coming out of your house with his golden coin, and I and my family were in a massive that we didn't have anything to eat, we were pushing, plotting for food, I couldn't withstand the test. So I went over to your son, and I started flipping coins with him, started playing around with him. And I said, hey, kid, catch. And he threw me his coin, I threw him his coin, back and forth and forth and back, until the kid didn't realize that I switched coins on him. And the kid went to buy the stuff by the candy store man, came back with the right change. I finally was able to put together enough money to pay back what I stole. Please be Michael me. And that's it. Well, you see how far a person has to go, even though it didn't seem that the guy was, was saying the truth. Nevertheless, you see from here how far you have to go with to be down the Kapskos. There are people uh, today also that have this problem. In, in, in modern society, Abisa Zalman Meltzer, Zechatarek Levrocha had a son. I don't know if he's still alive. Could be he's still alive. Could be not. He had a son that had an important position in Washington. He had some kind of position in Washington. Abisa Zalman Meltzer's son. This is Abang Kotler's Zechatarek Levrocha's brother-in-law. Anyway, people had a tendency to speak bad about him because he wasn't a Pesach He didn't go in the footsteps of his father. He didn't have the same kind of position. So people looked to find fault with him. This guy was related, or is related, to Rebetzin Ruderman in Baltimore, Olea Shalom. So when he was in Washington, he used to come over to her pretty often to spend some time with her. And somebody that was by this Meltzer in Washington said over to Rebetzin Ruderman that he himself saw with his own eyes that after he ate a nice meal of fleshics, he took a drink of milk. He took a drink of milk. That's what this guy said over to Rebbe Sarudaman. Anyway, Rebbe Sarudaman asked him point blank, what's a pshat? So he says, I'll tell you. He says, I have ulcers. And my father, Rabbi Zalman, told me that after I eat a meal, I should drink milk. Ah, you got to wait six hours? You don't have to wait. A person that's a chayla doesn't have to wait six hours. And you're a chayla, you're allowed to drink milk. And I couldn't talk. So you never know. You see a yid. Well, over here they were looking for trouble. But anyway, when you see a yid, when he drinks milk afterwards, he's allowed to. My Rebbe, told me that when he was in a hospital, just telling you, it's not negate. It's not negate. Have you done his kolodim l'kavshus? When he was in a hospital, so I once went to visit him, and he was sick in Brookdale Hospital in uh, in East Flatbush. So uh, 
He says to me, I don't trust the cashers here. So I said, what's this? What do you find wrong with the cashers here? He says, there's such a maratzim, I can't believe that it's kosher here. When you have someone that's an amaogetz, you, tr- you have to be cheshish on the kashras. What's the problem? I asked for milk, and they don't give me no milk. And the nurse says to me that I can't give you no milk because uh, Jewish law says can't get no milk six hours after a meat meal. You've got to wait six hours before you can eat, drink milk. So Rav Gustman says to me, he says, there are a bunch of Mishagoyim here. He says, who's in a hospital? Crank convention. Sick people. If a sick person asks for milk, so you're allowed to give milk. Don't got to wait no six hours. It's a chumrah. And by a sick person, get nishtan the ganze aloha. If they're so stupid, they don't know a simple aloha, that a chayra is allowed to have milk after fleshiks, whenever he wants it, so I can't trust the kashras here. Just telling you, as I think is What? Maybe what? You want to be Malam Tzchus in a hospital? Huh? Right, Demaisa. Oh, we got these little kids out of here. We can talk about other things. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, with Negei the Sedra, with some Negei Unz. Schwartz, why don't you leave, Schwartz? <laughs> the, uh, I just want to tell you, it's Negei the Sedra. We'll get off the topic for a second. Two things. Huh? Two things. Number one, uh, if you, those that have... Uh, over the summer, every bocha should, should go through the Medrash says on all five chumoshim. It's a good tzach to have. Everybody should have it on Bereshis and on Shemois and on Vayikra and on Bamidbo and on Dvorim. It's very important that you say this even though during the summer you're, you're going to lay in Bamidbo and Dvorim. Close your mouth. They have it. I have it. Close your mouth. <laughs> So, nevertheless, you should go through the whole thing because maybe you don't have time during the week. If you do have time during the week to look at it, or on Shabbos, it's a very good tzach. To go to sleep each night during the week, what the Medrash says on the Sedra is very good. First of all, give you ideas on the Sedra that you normally wouldn't get. And it's not as heavy as the Mamloi is in English. It's easy reading, and it's a very good safer. So I'm just going to tell you two things that, that, that I saw on this week's Sedra. In uh, the in Pashas in Acharei, uh, there's a Pasha of Moilach. Everybody knows the Pasha of Moilach. It's an Avedizora where they sacrifice kids. They sacrifice kids to the Moilach. What's Maintis? Fachmonolitzlan. There was an Avedizora in those days. We don't have the, uh, the type of Avedizora today, Baruch Hashem. But a father used to take his kid. And have the kid yeshachten for this avodah Shech the kid for the avodah We can't understand it. We can't fathom it because we don't have this avodah this type of avodah anymore. It became bottle bar Hashem. We have lower tivus, but they had the type of avodah So what is the avodah of Moilach? They took a kid and they killed the kid, all in the name of the avodah we have a moilach today also. It's not physically killing the kid. It's spiritually killing the kid. And the name of the moilach is college, he says. And he said, not only college, 
he was not even talking about college. He was talking about things even before. If you send your kid, I'm just telling you, it's negated sedges, I'll says Dalton Lane, and you'll, I didn't make it up, you'll read it yourself. If you send your kid to a, a yeshiva that's half-baked, putting it mildly, that has in it people that say things which are connected to Taylor, so what you're doing is sacrificing the ruchnius of your son, which is much worse than killing him. They kill your kid, so he has a one-way trip to Gan Eden. Sure. What do you want from the kid? You killed your kid, the kid goes to Gan Eden. But if you killed him spiritually, he's finished. There's no hope for him. There's nothing you can do. He's finished. So if the kid becomes an apicalist there, so there's a good talk. Just the mother from his man And he warns every parent that just like it's a natural tendency for a father and a mother to be involved in the physical welfare of their children, as soon as the kid has a cut right away, but prepare stitches, emergency room, so with the same amount of zahidus and not any less, but more, you have to be zohir about his, his ruchnius. And that's the moilach of his manazir. You'll take a look yourself, you'll read it yourself, you'll see. Also, let me begin the sedrain. And the tzweite zach was in a gay sedrain, what I speak out a lot in the ninth grade. And I said it many times in the ninth grade, Mestama other times also. Open the sedrain, take your sedrain. On bedaf is wissen because you have to chazer it over and over and over and over. And this week's sedra is the famous funny carbon. What's meant is a famous funny carbon, the most potent, strongest carbon that there is in the whole Torah is an Heinteke sedra. And it's a funny carbon. Alamola carbon means you take an animal, you make smich on it, you make a shchita, you make a zrika. And the Ramban explains, you're supposed to feel that you're the one that's supposed to be geshocht, and your blood is supposed to be sprinkled, your chedav is supposed to be burnt on the mizbeach, and this way it brings you to tshuva, you have a kapora and a guten tov. In fact, you got to do tshuva, bishas the korban, or else you have no kapora. But in this week, we have a korban that not only knocks off shoygig, it doesn't not only knock off one, one avera, it knocks off thousands and thousands of averas, even if you didn't do tshuva. And if you did do tshuva, it knocks off everything. Belcha Kolben it does. A Kolben where there's no Shrita, where there's no Zrika, where there's no burning of the Chelev. Those are the, the soil Azozel. You take two goats, one goat is a Kolben for the Ebishter. The other, the, the thing that gives you the Kapoda is taking this goat to a cliff, giving it a shove, and it's bashed a bit. And you could be puffing away in bed without even having any Kavonis. And you have a kapot on all your averas kalas. If you did shuvah, you have averas on everything. No one can understand it. What kind of korban is this? One guy brings an animal to a cliff, throws it off the cliff. No more averas. And I couldn't talk. How does it work? The soil has ozel. Is in, in Medrash says, you'll see it, Bikitza. But I once spoke about it or several times talk about it, that the pshad is as follows. The soya state in Medrash represents Esau ish soya. Esau. Esau. 
The soil azozel is representative of Asov. It says, When also a soil, all of the Kolavinoisum, Shait Medrash, it means Avoinoistam. Avoinoisum means Avoinoistam, the Averis of Yaakov. In other words, this soil, this goat, represents Goyim. And by taking this goat and throwing it off the cliff, we have a kapora. Because by doing it, it's a display, it's a statement that Klai Yisrael understands that the reason, or the main reason why they do Averis is because of the influence of Goyim. And if it wouldn't be for the influence of the Goy, we wouldn't do any Averis. A Yid's problem, especially if he's in Golas, even if he's not in Golas, it's not a problem. Even if he's in Eretz Yisrael, Bishaz Beis Hamikdash, there's still influence of Goyim. But I'll call for him a Yid in Golas for sure. And in Eretz Yisrael today is Eichet Golas, not Eichet Golas, not Aggressor Golas. If a Yid is exposed to the influence of Goyim, so it's going to be, it's impossible that he shouldn't do Averis. Impossible. In America, Roiv of the people that came to America were from Yidin. Roiv of the people that landed in America throughout the years were from Yidin. For Shetel, there was already people that came here, conservative and reformed already. But we're talking about Roiv. And if not Roiv, a very large minority. And in the Meshach of one or two Dairis, their grandchildren are basically, uh, you can't tell that they're Jews. What happened? They came to the free country called America, and this free country called America caused the greater churban than Hitler, Yemach Shemot. Hitler, Yemach Shemot, killed six million Jews. And the, the golden Medina of America, the free country of America, with all your freedoms, with all the Bill of Rights, with Al Gutezachin, has created a much greater Sakona to Klai Yisrael, where more than six million Jews are finished with. The majority of Hasanists in the United States, it's like three out of five, are with are mixed marriages. Visa Diskavorn, the influence of the Goy. So says the soil azozel of Haintik Sedran the Avoid of Yemakipurim is to uproot the influence of the Goy. You say it Kiseda, but you don't realize it. Between the Yid and the Goy. Says the Beis Halevi, just like between day and night, there's a buffer zone called Benashmoshis. It can't get any closer day and night. Even though it's been as much as a Sufi game, Sufiq Laila, Abulamaisa, there is a buffer zone between day and night called Ben Ashmoshes. So too, there has to be a separation, a certain separation between the Yid and the Goy. As soon as the Yid goes over that boundary, there's a, sp- a special thing that the Rebishter brings up to make sure or to ensure the Kiyam of Klai Yisrael called anti Semitism. Anti Semitism, Shaitan Rishainim, is a safeguard for the king of Klai Yisrael. Avada, you, can, you have a chira, you can go wherever you want. But for sure there'll be Yidin, they'll remain from a Yidin. Why? Because of anti-Semitism. 
So when we think about anti-Semitism, we think it's the Eretz, the Zach, and the Welt. This is our grace of bracha. The more Goyim hate the Jew, the less the Jew will have to do with the Goy. The Jew will live separate. The Goy will live separate. So the Goy is a Chufhengen. So again, in the Reardarein, and we can live in Menucha. But the liberal idiotin who feel anti-Semitism is the beginning of a new Holocaust, and is again with the fist, never again, so they think that they have to go and do all kinds of shtusim because of it. The grass, the bracha that we have is anti-Semitism. Sounds funny. A yid has to stay away from the goy as much as possible. Sign clothing. Yeah, yeah. Sign language. Sign names. If he lets the influence of the Goy come in, it's impossible for him to be a Frumayid. It's a Mitzis. You can see it in the best of families. Deireis and Deireis and Deireis of Gedoylem and Rabbonim and Tzadikim and Chassidim. As soon as the guy is exposed to the veld, slowly but surely it creeps in. There has spoil from the Goy. And he stinks like a sewer. And slowly but surely... His kids go away from Yiddishkeit and his Einiklach marries Shiksis and Agutin Tov. If you see it in every single shul, you'll see it. You'll see it in every community. You'll see it in every family, you'll see it. There's come out no family that can't point with a finger to this and this cousin or uncle or aunt. And all this happened to them. The Tata given her from a year, the Zayda given her from a year, the Elta Baba and the Elta Zayda given from a year, and this kid is a gangster. Whatever the case may be. Every family has it. So so what are you supposed to do in that matzah? That's the matzah that we live in today. So what are you supposed to do in this matzah? You're not supposed to go closer to the goy and follow their shtusim v'avolam. You're supposed to stay away from them as much as possible. And there's no other way to be successful. Here for the reason why you have a camp in the summer... It's for this reason. When you go away from the yeshiva, come on, stop the nonsense. When you go away from the yeshiva, <laughs> and you're not in the yeshiva, you don't have tok tegwacha learning, then you're, it, it's, it's zikha that you're going to be, you're going to have a bigger shaykhah to the goy. I don't care whose house it is, every single one, every person's house here has tarifus in it. I don't care whose house. You want, I'll come and check it out. I'll show you where it is. It doesn't have to be a television. It could be magazines. It could be newspapers. It could be editorials. It could be other shtusim v'avolim. Every house has poison in it. So the kid that comes home from the yeshiva after so many months of learning, all he has to do is open up a magazine or open up a New York Times or open up the editorial page of any other uh, a paper and he'll see kfira, minas, hashpoav, goyim and slowly but surely, you're influenced. You don't realize it. You know why you don't realize it? Because it's subtle. It, it only shows the choice after several years, like there's a Shiloh, what to do here? Whether you hold like this or you hold like that, and you see yourself holding, not like the G'daylam. And you don't understand why. You went to Yeshiva, you got to find the Talmud Chacham, and you follow Alochis, and also find, and your mind dictates Rakhet from the G'daylam. The G'daylam say, this is what you should do, and you hold, this is what you should do. Or the G'daylam say, you shouldn't do this, and you hold, you should do it. How does it come about? that from a Yidin should go for from Gedolim because they're influenced by the editorials of Mishu Goyim, of Goyim. 
And the policies of a goy can't work for a yid. The politics of a goy doesn't work for Klai The politics of the rest of the nations does not work for Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael is the from all these cheshboinus. L'mayla from all these achan. There's a bazundar ashkocha for Klai So it's a folly on the part of most Jews. Everybody knows the tumult in the belt. 97 tumbler eyes. One tumble is Yom HaShoah. Another tumble is Yom HaTzomis. This is what we want to discuss now. Another tumble is uh, Reagan. Another tumble is Nochazel Chashtusim. This, that, Russian Solidarity is tomorrow morning. Chvesh, now I have to do. There's Kaseida tumbles by Klai Yisrael. The games, Amanish game, Pro, Khan, Khan, Kupro, Nochazel Chashtusim. There's Gedolim by Klai Yisrael and any idiot. Any idiot which fe- who feels that he has a, an opinion in the matter is an apicarist. Who are you to voice an opinion? If there would be a lady that doesn't have a husband, her husband is lost, and she doesn't know if she can remarry, so what would, would any idiot decide to pass on that she can marry without a get or and we could assume the husband is dead? Who are you to pass on Shalat of Agunas? And sometimes years until we pass him what to do with the lady. If she can marry, she not marry. When it comes to these shyness, they get against Christ, well, do this, do that, not do that, yeah, do that. But all of a sudden, everybody is going on the Gansa Maven, what's the tongue? There's a Shiloh on a chicken, or there's a Shiloh on a mezuzah, there's a Shiloh on a safe, a Tehra, a Shiloh on a field, and a body get me some rope. But a Shiloh, what to do? Should we march? Should we not march? Should we make a protest? Not make a protest? All of a sudden, Yadarain is Gavorin the Poisakadon. That stems from the influence of Goy. That's Mamish Goyish influence. And it's apicosis on the part of anyone to mix into these things. It's nonsense. And not only is it apicosis, there are liars and there are swindlers and there are forgeries outside in the world. That will tell you in the name of this Godel and that Godel and this Godel and that Godel and this Godel and Godel and Godel and Godel and Godel and Sal Shekhar Vachosim with Chilasavatsev because you're not going to believe a word they say. You're not going to believe a word they say. Like the Chofetz Chaim says, a person that speaks Lashnor is Choshen and Shekhar. Because Mali Haimei. A guy that tells you Apikul says, you can't believe that Rabbi Meshach said this, you can't believe Rabbi Yaakov said this, you can't believe that this one said that because it's Shekhar Vachosim with Chilasavatsev. And it's been proven maybe 7,000 times. That they forge, they lie, and they do whatever they dash feel like. But all this comes from the influence of Goyim. Because you look at everything the way a Goy looks at it. You dress like the Goy, you think like the Goy, you eat like the Goy, you play like the Goy, you speak like the Goy. So Shenzi, you're finished. You're a Goy. You don't realize it, but you're a Goy. So it's very wichtig. And that's the avoid for Yom Kippurim. The avoid yet the avoid, especially before the summer, when there's more free time on your hand, and people are more apt to, to be involved in the veld more. You have to stay away from the influence of the goy. By doing that, it means that you don't read their papers, you don't read their magazines, you don't listen to their trash, and you don't have anything to do with them. About it, you got to be cordial. You meet a guy, you got to say hello, and guten Tag, and speak menschlich to him. But not to listen to Shtus and Vavolam. When a guy doesn't mean that, a guy, a guy means a yid was a pikeros is ergevi a guy. A yid a pikeros does much more damage than a yid a guy. Then a guy a guy means. 
Jiragoy is Agavi Agoyagoy. Das ist Heintige Sender. Okay, what else? That's it. Schön gendigt? Good work, good work. Eisenreich, good work. Good work, good work. Schön, was noch? That's it. Ah, good work. Right, right. Can I What? What about? You don't listen to what I say anyway. So what do you want to listen for? Okay, I got the book. No, I'm nice. I got the book. I got well, you don't know the Mysa. What can I do? I don't care what the book. I'm telling you the Mysa. I didn't quote it. I tell you it's printed later. But they didn't print it exactly. You should have to say. What can I tell you? Okay, good. All right, that's why I have the mice from the oil. I have them the Kabbalah this way. What can I do? I know, I know. Okay. Okay. Okay, get the major says and read it through and I go to talk and I go to act and I go to walk and I go to yoga. If they didn't come out, say so you'll get it. So you'll get it. What's the difference? All right? Yeah. I have it in the house. You want to see it? Too bad. I ain't going to show it. Okay, let's go. This is not the Rashiva's uh, shmuz now. There's no huddles there. You're supposed to march? We'll see who's going to march. Oh, yeah, he said it. Yeah? He said he doesn't know for sure. He doesn't know for sure. Who doesn't know? Yeah. Oh, you heard it from him? I heard something from him. Who's the guy? No, I You heard it from him? He said it. He doesn't want to say it. He heard it from him. He heard it He doesn't want to say it. Did he hear it from him? I don't know. Okay, check it out. You'll see he never heard it from him. Good luck. Come on. What can you do? Okay, let's go. Come on, we ate so let's go. Come on, let's get out of here. We gotta wake up for that. You know what Mpane Saver Talker means? Before you get old, you better get up and do chuva. That's what the Zoya says. Mpane Saver, before you get old, Schwartz, talk him, get up and do chuva. Did you hear what I said? Okay, let's go. Whoa. 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 Whoa.